Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we learned about a book called 100 Miles of Baseball. A couple in Ontario decided to go see baseball games all across Ontario, Michigan, Ohio, and just learned so much about the game that they decided to write about it. Their names are Dale and Heidi Jacobs, and they join me on the podcast. Also, we'll talk to Manitoba Bison's defensive line coach, Shaquille Armstrong, who was named one of the fans of the year by NFL Canada. He'll explain why and also why he's an Atlanta Falcons fan on the podcast. We are going to turn to baseball now and going to talk about 100 miles of baseball. It is a book written by Dale and Heidi Jacobs, and they are from Windsor, Ontario, and they join us now on the line. Uh, Thank you both for calling in tonight. Thanks. Nice to be here. We'll start with you, Dale. Uh, Let's talk about just first what the, the, the book is about and what inspired it. I imagine that you are a pretty big baseball fan if you end up writing a book about baseball. Oh, yeah, I am. Definitely. I've been a baseball fan for my whole life. And uh, this book, the premise is we uh, drew a 100-mile circle around our house in Windsor, which takes in a big swath of uh, southwestern Ontario, but also a big, big chunk of Michigan and a bit of Ohio. And uh, we decided we were going to go to 50 games within that 100-mile radius in one summer and write about it. And uh, the idea came because we had had season tickets for the Tigers for about 10 years, uh, partial season tickets. And we just found ourselves getting a little antsy, a little tired of only watching Major League Baseball. And uh, we decided uh, over the course of a couple of years that we would try to do something else. And, and this is the project that, uh, that came out of that. And so, Heidi, for you, the the draw of baseball, what about the sport appeals to you? Um, I find it really fascinating, actually. I think one of the the things that excites me is there are so many possibilities, and at any given moment, you can just think about all of the uh, different things that could happen at any at-bat, at any, you know, point in the inning, and um, there's so much to watch, and I, I do like the pace of it because it gives you a lot of time to think and process all of the things that are happening and that could go on. So uh, I find it a very uh, contemplative, thoughtful game. And uh, plus just sitting in a ballpark is a, a really beautiful experience. And Dale, the, you know, I've been to a number of baseball games at, at different levels before the, the thing about a baseball game is that you can, you don't have to totally pay attention the whole time. It's kind of, you can have a, just kind of a casual conversation. It's like you're just spending the day in the park, but there's also a baseball game being played in front of you. That's how I feel. It, does that resonate with you at all? Uh, it certainly didn't for this project. And I, I think I, I'm probably more intent on the game on the field than most people. Uh, and certainly for this game, I was trying to be fully present and watch every at-bat. We, we were generally just there, the two of us, so we were pretty focused on the game. Even when the few games that friends came with us, they actually kind of knew not to talk during the game that, that we were watching. And, and both of us were taking notes, and I was taking a lot of notes on what was happening on the field in front of me. And, and that really, it fascinates me. I, I can go to any ball game and just lose myself in what's happening on the field and 
for me, that's that's the draw of the, the ballpark. I like sitting out in the sun and having a beer too, but I love the game on the field in front of me. Fair enough, fair enough. Heidi, the I, I guess the, one of the allures here is that there are a few sports like baseball that allow you the accessibility to check out so many different levels of the sport from the majors all the way down to, to little league, right? You see that there's a diamond there. There's a diamond everywhere. You can go see games. What, how many different levels of baseball did you guys check out over this journey? Oh, uh, we, we get a whole bunch of stuff from high school all the way to pro and everything in between, including some historic reenactment, some independent leagues, some, you know, amateur provincial championships, national championships, um, all over the place. Uh, and it was really quite remarkable how how different they were and how each level had its own charm and intrigue. And there was always something fascinating to see at each level. So, uh, and it was really interesting to see younger players learning to become more skilled. And uh, we saw some really exciting things on the field there. Dale, how many games did you uh so you 50 right 50 different games 50 games yeah and how many days did it take you to do those 50 games well we start we saw the first game i think it was the 30th of march and that happened to be a nice weekend so you know we went to a game at wayne across we're just across the river from detroit so we saw a game at wayne state on the friday and then saturday at henry ford community college and then sunday we saw a tigers game but then April in southwestern Ontario and in Michigan is not a good time to try to play baseball. So we, there were a lot of rainouts. We didn't see much in, in April, but we got our 50 games in by uh, about the third weekend of August. We ended at the under-21 uh, Canadian Championships in St. Thomas, Ontario. So uh, about three and a half months or so. And how many no, – or how much, I guess – uh, piles of notes would it how would you describe the amount of uh, material you had Heidi built up over the course of that oh I had a, a I don't know like a 200 page notebook and it was totally filled every page so uh yeah I just wrote constantly actually uh, which made people a little nervous if everyone saw someone be like what are you writing <laughs> and so uh yeah yeah we had lots and lots of notes and I think the research of it going to all those games over those that summer was a lot of work. And then I think the, the real big work was actually taking those experiences and making it into something that people would want to read. So that was the big, that was a big challenge of this project. I think. Talking with Dale and Heidi Jacobs, authors of 100 miles of baseball, 50 games, one summer. Uh, Dale, what did you learn about baseball that you didn't know going into this from this journey? I think the whole thing was a bit of an exercise in learning how to see. Um, when you see baseball at all these different levels, as Heidi talked about, you you know you sometimes see these really great two-one games, and we saw you know one of the most memorable games for me was seeing Tommy Parsons for Adrian College uh, throw a 164-pitch complete game, and so you see these wonderful games, but then sometimes you see these. 12-1 blowouts and so for me it was learning how to see the the beauty and and the you know the great baseball plays within every one of those games 
And then on a purely baseball level, I learned more about pitching in this one summer than I did in a whole lifetime of watching because I spent my game time behind the catcher and I watched the movement of the pitches and I watched and paid attention to what the pitchers were trying to do. And, you know, we get that on TV watching the major leagues, but it's not the same as it is watching from a catcher's eye or a batter's eye view. So for me, I think on a purely baseball level, I probably learn more about pitching than anything, than anything else. How about you, Heidi? Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of the, the game on the field too, but I also watched people watching baseball and uh, that's a lot of the stuff that I wrote about. And I think one of the things that was really interesting for me was to see how people watched. I mean, some people were cheering for a team, some people were cheering for their college. Some people were cheering for their boyfriend or their grandson. Um, and uh, some people just watched pitching or fielding. And some people just liked sitting and watching the events on the field and outside. So one of the things I really realized is there are multiple ways to watch a baseball game. There's not just one one way to watch. And uh, that's sort of one of the things that I tried to figure out. Like, well, how do I personally watch baseball? And uh, that was sort of my big question for this project is how to watch baseball. Dale, were there ever people that came up to you and said, uh, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, that, that happened quite a bit. And, and several times we got asked if we were scouts and we just would kind of laugh and say, no, no, we're not scouts. See those guys over there with the radar <laughs> guns. Those are the scouts. We're not them. Uh, we did get asked quite a bit and we often would get asked a question like, who are you here to see? Who's your kid, basically? And this would happen at high school level, but university as well. Um, that that sh- They always thought there should be someone we were there to see. And so us taking notes, we were outliers right away. And so it led to some really great conversations, and people were often quite interested in the project. I, rem- I remember one of the one of the dads from Otterbein University at a Div 3 regional tournament, he was just floored. He said that would be the best summer to have to do that. Um, but he was, you know, he was there watching his kid and he watched baseball all the time. But this idea of being able to go around to all these different levels was very intriguing to him. Heidi, what did you learn about what baseball means to people, both in Canada and maybe even more so in the United States? Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, it really, one of the things I really realized is that baseball is a lot of, about making connections. And uh, sometimes those connections are family connections. You know, maybe you have the same team as your grandfather or your father, or maybe the connection is with your your children. Um, and then maybe it's a connection with a place or a sport. And one of the things I realized is, I mean, all sports are emotional, but there's something about baseball that just has a whole bunch of nostalgia and emotion and connection with it. And uh, so I think that's one of the things that I realized. It's just how how it seems to unite people uh, across generations. Sometimes we'd see three and four generations of families sitting and watching a baseball game. And that's, that's pretty interesting to me, I think. So final question to both of you then. You wrote this to kind of rediscover your love of the game. You felt like it was work going to Tigers games. Did this project help you rediscover your love of baseball? I'll start with you, Dale. It, it did. It, 
it made me appreciate the game, seeing it on so many different levels, really realized how hard this game is, and I gained a new appreciation for it. It also felt like I was reconnecting with my dad, who uh, taught me to love the game. He passed away in, in 2008, and so baseball had always been my connection to him, and getting baseball back to that level where I love it as much as I do felt like reconnecting with him. And for you, Heidi? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because in 2019 is when we wrote the book and, and neither of us wanted to watch baseball because we kind of pretty much had to keep our heads in 2018 so we wouldn't confuse things. And so we were just really waiting for 2020 to be the, the, the true test of uh, whether we would connect and reconnect with baseball again. And of course, nobody had any baseball for months of 2020. And then when they did start playing, Dale and I started watching, um, I think the, the playoffs is when we really connected. And I just felt, okay, I really need baseball right now. This is what we need to get through. Um, and so, yeah, it has a different place in my life for sure. And, but I really can't wait to get out and actually see some live games again and uh, be connected again. The book is 100 Miles of Baseball, 50 Games, One Summer. The authors are Dale Jacobs and Heidi Jacobs. Uh, Dale, where can people find this book? You can get it at any bookstore. And I, and I know McNally Robinson has it in uh, Windsor or in uh, Winnipeg because a friend of mine uh, picked it up there. Perfect. Well, then uh, our folks uh, here in Winnipeg know where to go. Thank you both for joining us tonight, and I look forward to checking this one out. Thank Thanks, you very Christian. much. So we will uh, now get to our next guest, and that would be Shaquille Armstrong, who is a defensive line coach for the University of Manitoba Bisons. Uh, Shaquille, welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning or joining us tonight. Hey, how's it going? I was going to say thanks for tuning in. I mean, you're on the show. It's not really <laughs> tuning in. It's a bit of a slip of the tongue. So uh, I got an email today saying that you were uh, one of the fans of the year in the NFL. Is that right? Uh, that's what that's what they're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> What's I, that I all about? The, I got third place in this um, NFL Canada community uh, type of award, where uh, first place was winner got up to thirty grand. But I, I honestly didn't even enter. A really good friend of mine, uh, Mitch Thompson, entered me, and I just was very blessed to receive this. And so I, I'm sure that uh, part of this is that you're a you know you're a football fan, but a big part of this too is is the work you do in the community. Uh, why is football important to you? Um, honestly, football got me through a lot of very tough times in my life. Um, it's uh, it's a part of me where I found family through friends and teammates, where sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to get that in life, and just. It taught me a lot of lessons on how to be a man and how to understand the chain of command truthfully, and that's some of the stuff I'm trying to instill in some of my players. When did you first play football? Uh, I think I joined when I was in middle school. I want to say around grade 7, so I guess I would have been around 12 at the time. And did you like it right away? I loved it. It was uh, I was always a basketball kid growing up, and then I was I was a bigger kid, and my buddies kept begging me and begging me to come out to Rob's practice, come out to Rob's practice, and I, I went out, and it was it was meant to be essentially. And when did you make the transition from playing to coaching? 
Uh, I guess that would have been around 2016. Um, I, in 2014, I finished playing uh, university football down in Montreal at Concordia University, and then I kind of went around and the, the semi-pro route. I went to France for a bit and played. I, I played a semi-pro in Fort Mac, and then I decided, just, I said, you know what, I got to hang up these cleats and start getting back. And then, yeah, 2016, I started coaching high school football at Sturgeon Heights. And was the was the learning curve to coaching tough, or did you get the hang of it pretty quick? Um, it, it was kind of different being on the other side. Um, it, it took a little bit kind of adjusting to, I guess, I was always somewhat of a leader, but being more of a leader and trying to teach some of the guys was, was a little difficult at first and trying to get that understanding of where they're coming from and what their understanding of the game is to my knowledge and kind of see what, what our baseline is. So that was a bit of an adjustment, but as soon as I kind of got the hang of things, uh, things really started rolling for me. And how did you wind up at the University of Manitoba? Uh, I think it was a good thing of right place, right time. I was, uh, at the time, I was coaching Sturgeon, as I said. I was also coaching the provincial team and was really helping out with football Manitoba and a lot of uh, local places like Rising Stars. And uh, Scott Barber, the defensive line coach, I worked with him and uh, – I became pretty good friends, and he asked me to come guest coach at a spring camp, and I guess the rest of the coaching staff liked what they saw from me and offered me to stick around. How is football coaching for you a rewarding experience? It's super rewarding in the sense of I still get to be around the game that I enjoy and love every day, even though I'm not playing, just being around it just it it brings something at me which I, I, I truly do enjoy. Um, also just kind of passing on that knowledge to my players and I, I want them to kind of learn from the mistakes that that I have made and kind of avoid those kind of situations to just kind of get them to be the best that they can be where and yeah, they can learn from what I've done. How tough was it not having a season this year? Oh man. I it, it was tough just not being around it, but I, I felt even more for our guys. Just just that camaraderie of being with your guys every day and being around them in school, at practice, and at meals. It it's something that, unless you've been part of, you you it, it it's a feeling that only you know. And I, I feel like that was a big thing that the, that the team was really missing. And we're a young team, and I and I feel like that we need once we get back on the field and we're together, that'll really help us. But yeah, just the. Uh, just that team that team atmosphere of being together, I think, really hurt us, and especially our guys. Well, especially when you look at the last time you played a football game, it was that uh, last-second Hail Mary, you got the touchdown, oh. and then two-point conversion didn't get it. I mean, that's that, oh, if, there's, if there's ever been a let's run it back and get them this time, it was for 2020, right? Oh, yeah, we're, we're just ready to see them next time. We can't wait. It's been a long time coming. No doubt. Uh, so... Is this your full-time job, or is this your kind of your part-time gig? Uh, it's my part-time gig. Uh, I work as a behavior interventionist in the St. James Boys School Division. Uh, essentially, I work with a lot of the at-risk uh, youth uh, in the community. So I'll work with kids aged from kindergarten all the way to grade 12 with just different things going on with them that uh, maybe uh, EAs and some other schools might need some help with or not really understanding. So I work a lot with those kids, and I also... Uh, Run a security business on the side, uh, AP Security. You're a busy guy. Yeah, yeah, very busy. Yeah. 
So about the the at risk work you do, the is there any correlation you think between what you've learned through coaching and what you do in that uh, position? I I think uh, yeah, they they do correlate a lot because you know what, uh, some of the kids that I get on the field are some of those kids that potentially I not that I've worked with specifically, but kids that I potentially would have worked with. Right, they're kids. There, there's, there are kids that come in the program, they got a chip on their shoulder, they got stuff to prove. There's, there's Like we see it every time in the pros, kid, uh, players that have a certain type of backstory to them that, that it wasn't always the easiest. So those kind of go hand in hand for me and just the constant of uh, talking with kids all day at school and then get to go talk to my kids or I guess my, my young man over at Bison's. I'm constantly talking, I'm constantly teaching, I'm constantly sort of preaching at them and it's, it's nice to kind of keep that flow going all day. Now, you mentioned you played semi-pro overseas. What was that experience like? That was tough. It was, um, I I was both playing and coaching at the same time. I wasn't too, I wasn't really too sure what I was getting myself into. There was only two imports on the team. We were in uh, Saint-Étienne, France. And it was, uh, it was a total culture shock, to be honest. It was a little bit different, but. At the same time, I've, I've played with players from France and uh, around the world. I, I played for Team World back in 2011, I think, and playing with different guys from different countries, uh, it brings a pretty interesting take on how football is really kind of spread around the world and you don't really know it. And just the, the level of their, their knowledge of the game is different in every sort of uh, country you go to. How's your French? It was better back then. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah if you don't use it it falls out of practice eh oh yeah pretty much i everyone thinks i should speak poor french living in montreal and france but it's pretty much all gone now well, before i let you go uh in the note i received it says you are a committed atlanta falcons fan i am i am it's tough sometimes but that, that's my team that's my squad how did that come to be uh growing up i guess when I first started watching football, I watched Michael Vick. And it, it, it's weird to think that that would be my favorite player, but he is. He was exciting to watch. Um, even though I, I played defensive line, I was, I guess, always like, oh, I could catch them. We would just be like, well, I would never. But, yeah, I, I watched the Falcons, and Michael Vick was my player, and I've always just kind of stuck with them. I like, I like the music from the South. I have, I have family that lives uh, in Florida, so Atlanta is just right above them. And, it, yeah, it was just... Uh, They've been with me since the beginning, so I'm not going to get rid of them. I mean, I'm a Vikings fan, so I can't really uh, rip on you, really, because neither team's ever won anything. Uh, I guess Atlanta's been closer in our lifetimes in Minnesota, though Atlanta gave one of the worst moments in Minnesota's uh, franchise history back in 99. We don't need to talk about that. But have you been to a Falcons game? I haven't. Um, mm. I, I, I can't wait to. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed I had a call Last week, when I won the when I won the competition, I had a call with Grady Jarrett, and he was on the call, and he uh, we talked for about twenty minutes or so, and basically by the end of the call, they said if I can get my way down to Atlanta, I got myself a ticket to a game Ooh, at their uh, shiny stadium. Yeah, the big shiny one, Mercedes Benz. Well, once it's uh, you know safe to do so, uh, that would be a, an awesome trip, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, thinking twenty twenty two at the earliest. Yeah, I would think so, too. Well, Shaquille, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story tonight. Congratulations on this, and uh, continued best of luck as you uh, do this great work in the community. All right, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the